you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were rich, Eisen. The second will be, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your father. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmire. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We've been called up from the kitty table this week with the big guy on the road. He's wrapping up shooting his new reality show, but we're going to touch on that in a bit. So that means none other than myself, Chris Law, and Chris Brockman are back in the saddle hosting this week's edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Brockman, what's good, my man? Well, how are you, my man? Good to see you. It's, it's always nice to get a call up from the bullpen. Yeah, they they went uh, tapped on the uh, old they, arm. They and tapped on give, the old righties and, uh, and and called us out. Uh, Rich is on the road, so it's like like you said, it's always nice to come in here and and get our takes for a bit. Rich seems to take up all the air in the room. Yeah, how how greedy of him to do that on his own podcast. But uh, wow. so yeah, last time we hosted, we did uh, we had him phone in. And he uh, phoned in from the road again. Um, he's going to phone in this time as well from okay. uh, a location that uh, we'll get to shortly. I like it. And uh, we also had Seahawks Pro Bowler Michael Robinson and Jenny Frentis on a couple of my uh, my fellow Penn Staters. We're doing that again? No, no, no. We're not having them on again. Oh, uh, did man. you come through with any Syracuse stars yes, or anything? Yes, Donovan McNabb, Jim Brown, Sean McDonough, Bob Costas all joining us on the program. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Uh, oh, oh. No, oh, sorry, no, sorry. No, no, none of the above. Not, not going to happen. Not, none of the above. But no, we do have a, uh, a conversation with Rich, who is hosting his new reality show, The Great Escape. The Great Escape, this Sunday uh, on TNT. Looking forward to that. Yes, on uh, on TNT at 10 p.m. And uh, then we're going to have Greg Rosenthal on. Longtime uh, guy from NBC Sports. Worked with Pro Football Talk. Right. Now he's here with NFL.com. Yeah, very smart guy. Does a great new blog for us uh, around the league. Absolutely. So... I guess there, there's no way around it. We got to just chat briefly about the NBA Finals real quick. <sighs> What'd you think? Well, it pains me because to think how Miami decimated Oklahoma City in this series that the Celtics could have done the same thing. The Celtics if, took them seven, and the, the and the thing is, Game Two goes to overtime, and then you know, it's just in my blood as a Boston fan to talk about the officiating kind of took over uh, down the stretch and. Even though Boston did look very old, it's just painful to think that the Celtics could have won a championship uh, with this squad, which they easily could have done. But you know, congrats to to LeBron James. He is obviously one of the greatest, one of the great players in NBA history, and to see him finally win a championship was nice. Wish it could have been with Cleveland. The fact that he had to kind of team up and and do it with Miami. Everyone has their own opinion about that, but uh, the man is a champion, and there's no taking that away from him now. Yeah, I'm a little bummed out on two fronts. I was supposed to be in Miami this past week for uh, for an NFL.com shoot with Cars.com right. on Lauren Tannehill Watch for the podcast. Of course. Maybe catch a game in South Beach. Probably Perhaps. not catch a game because uh, I, I don't think the uh, the producer rate pays enough for a game. <laughs> but uh, we could have gone to a sports bar, so I missed out on that. But uh, I will say it was I was rooting for the Thunder in this series. Right. I think most of America was rooting for the Thunder. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I, I tweeted out something that um, – uh, that Ivan Drago had more fans in Rocky yeah. Four than yeah. the, the well, he did. Did you see the front page of the New York Post this morning? No. It was uh, one down, seven to go. Yes. 
Yes. The always classy not New York one, Post. Not two. Right. Not well, three. I mean, we, the thing is, when you say something like that, you open yourself to all kinds of scrutiny. And I think, you know, it's something that he regrets. And that whole, you know, celebration they had after, an, you know, their announcement of everybody signing with the team. But, hey, you know, they won and... You know, they obviously were the better team, and in the NBA, the usually the better team with the better player ends up winning, and, and that was the case. Mike Miller and Shane Battier, I think I'm more happy for those guys. Um, you know, great classy players, classy veterans, and uh, they really came through. Uh, they shot amazing. I think I said something, I tweeted out something like that, as great as LeBron is, uh, they don't win without Chalmers, Battier, and Mike well, Miller. Th- th- those so. guys really stepped it up, and I think, uh, you know, Obviously, with his penetration and his dishing, they're they're getting wide open shots, which helps. Which, but sure, I, I, like you, you said you, that that's the thing. You said that back to me, and I, and I wrote back to you. They still have to make them. No, that's true. There's one thing for Absolutely getting wide true. open shots, but you've got to make them. All right, we're probably going to get fired for talking this much NBA on a on an NFL Network well, podcast. It was the finals, and, and now there's no more basketball until. Quick well, question the for Olympics you. in November. Quick question for you. I, I did. Uh, I sent out a tweet. The hierarchy of the four major sports trophies. In my mind, it's clear. Number okay. one is the Stanley Cup. Right, I'll agree number with you. Number two, I go Larry O'Brien trophy. Number three, I go Lombardi. And number four is the championship trophy, the MLB. For MLB, yeah. I, th- I think the, it, was it the Seinfeld where George was like dragging, Dry, dragging, <laughs> dragging it around and tra- trying to get himself fired? Yeah, the MLB, does it even have a name? Is the cha- a, it's the championship trophy. Is that what it's That's called? That's what it's called, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Um, I would say the Lombardi trophy is second uh, for me. Yeah. So Stanley Cup's number one. I mean, there's nothing cooler. Like, like well, actually, you know what? Rich got to hang out with the Stanley Cup yeah. that we saw. Let's, uh, we'll ask him about we'll it. Talk, we'll, see what, we'll see what Rich we'll has to say about says. that. Well, let, let, let's actually get to Rich. Let's bring in the host because I don't think people can stand us alone for, for too long here. And, but, and, uh, and there's a good chance he'll hang up with he'll hang up on us for making him wait like this. So. Yeah, this is true. All right, Brockman, let's uh, let's welcome in now uh, the, the host of this show, uh, Rich Eisen, who's uh, <laughs> currently currently on location. On location. On location. What, is, what does on location mean? Where are I'm you? on location for the great escape. Which is what I've been moonlighting with with TNT debuts Sunday night ten o'clock ten o'clock Eastern time. Am I am I promoting? You're promoting as a guest on my on own podcast. Own right, right. Is that what's happening? You're, uh, you're what, promoting what, a what new exactly show. What am I doing right now? It's this. This is like double secret cross promotion. It is double secret cross promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that hashtag will take up half a tweet. Yeah, this is illegal in, in 20 states, Rich, I think, what we're doing right we now. We are. We're breaking all sorts of code right now. I just want to know what's it like to call into your own show. It's really odd. Um, I'm, I'm feeling, uh, I'm, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, secondly, what, is everything running smoothly over there? The, the, what, what the, meeting were you just in? The, the locomotive. What, what I, meeting were you just in for another hour? I was in a. Uh, it was in a cars. dot com meeting. What um, is that? Oh, oh, for Damashek thing. Yeah, for uh, Hall of Fame because we're going to the Hall of Fame and we're going to do another another installment of uh, cars. dot com. So, in terms of, let's just break this down. Let's say your forty hour work week. How many of the forty hours do you spend in a meeting? Well, it's about a on the s- NFL. dot com side of things. It's about a sixty five hour work week, and okay. uh, I would say. It varies, but it ranges anywhere. I would say five to seven hours a week. Not true at all. In meetings, it's double that. About what? It's no, double that. It's, it's, it's double it's, that, Chris. It's, uh, it's sometimes it's, less than that too. It's double. You're just catching me at bad times, Rich. It's not true. You're always in a meeting. <laughs> wow. 
it's like that line if you've ever seen Monty Python's Holy Grail, but this calls for immediate discussion. Right. <laughs> when something happens and John Cleese's character goes, this calls for immediate discussion. Yeah. Somebody sneezes on the dot-com side, and this calls for an immediate meeting. It, immediately. We have to meet about it. it. Well, actually, what you have to meet about it is you have to meet about uh, pre- uh, planning right, right. to prepare Rich, what, what did, mean, what did, for sneezing. What did Jeff Schaefer say? It's a meeting to talk about having a meeting that's, about that, another season. That's kind of what it was, yes. Yeah, that, that was the Larry Davidness of it all about <laughs> right. probably about 10 months ago. Right. Right. Well, we got a lot of stuff coming up, so you know. I had to, there you had, go. Had to, well, that's good. There's yeah. lots going on in Canton. Exactly, exactly. That's true. That's uh, true. Which you will be at Canton as well. I'll correct? be there again. Yes. Exactly. I'm sure we'll get another uh, an audio podcast there. But so yeah, you got this new show coming out, which yes. I'm, I'm sure everyone that's listened obviously knows that you've been a part of this. But how did this? I guess let's start at the beginning. How did this all come about? Well, uh, a buddy of mine, Charlie Ebersol, who is the son of uh, Dick Ebersol, if the name sounds familiar. Uh, the legendary uh, television producer and executive. Uh, at any rate, he is, you know, uh, has his own production company, and um, he and his colleague Justin Hochberg um, came up with this concept of a of a new reality competition show. And he called me up, and he's like, uh, "I want you to see something." I'm like, "Okay." So we met, and he uh, takes out his iPhone and he shows me a sizzle reel. That's fronted by Ron Howard, the director and uh, former uh, child actor in Happy Days, uh, uh, Richie Cunningham, uh, the, the great director, Ron Howard, is fronting it. He's like hosting it because his production company, uh, Imagine Entertainment, is one of the producers of this thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing jumped off an iPhone. It's, it's basically uh, about uh, a show where three teams of two people have to escape from... Um, a unique location, and they've got to be the first to escape, and the first team to escape wins a huge chunk of money. And uh, they put them through all sorts of torturous challenges in order to get from point A to B, and then B to C, and D, C to D, and then D to escape. There's four stages of it, and they wanted a host. And I'm like, well, this looks interesting. And I'm like, what network is 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 going to produce this thing? And they said TNT. So they already, had, like, a, they already well, had a network home for it. Right? Yeah, that's the network home for it. I'm like, wow, okay. And I'm like, and who's going to be, you know, running the actual games? And they said the creator. He said the creators of the Amazing Race. So you know you're in good hands at that point. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and they're like, well, here's an interesting thing: is you know, this is our first venture for this sort of stuff, and this is TNT's first venture, and Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's company have never done it. And this is the first time that the producers of The Amazing Race um, have ever tried something new other than The Amazing Race. So what are you, are you interested in hosting it? And, you know, just that got the ball rolling. And now here I am. I'm calling in from New Orleans uh, where we just shot the penultimate episode. And I know you love that word, Brockman. I just, I just learned what that much. was. Thanks you learned what that was. Yeah, Brockman yeah, loves that. Love it, love it. Uh, what I think is scheduled to be the second to last of <laughs> ten episodes. And, um, you know, it's an undisclosed location here in, in the bayou. But Excellent. Um, now, Rich, you hosted a show back on ESPN back <laughs> in the day, yeah. if I remember correctly. However, this it was is... called Beg, Borrow, Beg, Borrow and, and Deal, right? Deal, right. yes. Now, this is your first non-sports hosting kind of gig. Yes. What, what was intriguing to you? What kind of jumped out? What interests you? Why'd well, you do it? I mean, just all of these different 
you know, top-notch producers who are putting coming together and, and doing it. And, and you, know, you know, to be honest, if they said we want to shoot it between September and December, I, I'd have said, you know, I've got my own reality show called the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it was shot at a perfect time, and the, the folks at the, the NFL Network um, were great to just, you know, Steve Bornstein, our boss, said, uh, go give it a whirl, and um, and the, the league, the front office, said, you know, all good, and here I am. It, it, it's it's pretty cool. How so, much how much of your experience did you pull from? Did, did you pull game tapes of Jeff Probst and all these <laughs> other famous? Yeah, game I went shows? all twenty two on Survivor. Okay, nice. Yeah, I went all twenty two on Survivor. Sure. <laughs> so you, uh, we were fortunate enough because while you were taping this process, you know, we'd been talking to you, or we would get, Brockman and I would get texts at, you know, random, random, hours. random hours of the night, because you guys are shooting this at, yes. sometimes, I guess we can say where the first episode is at, correct? Well, the first, yeah, first three episodes, I can tell you, know, the first one this Sunday is at Alcatraz. Alcatraz. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's, we're not breaking out, of, having these contestants break out of a prison, or just any prison, they're break, basically breaking out of the prison. You know, and um, welcome to the rock. Yeah, pretty like we were doing that, and Clint Eastwood jokes the whole time <laughs> on the shoot. And the second shoot is the USS Hornet, which is an aircraft carrier that's docked off of Oakland, California, and um, you know it's like a museum by the day because it's got an incredible history. It was built by women, the Rosie Riveters uh, of, of, of World War II, and uh, in peacetime, its main. Uh, its main, I guess, gig, for the lack of a better phrase, was plucking the capsules out of the ocean when the astronauts came back in from the atmosphere. And they have Neil Armstrong's capsule wow. coming back from when he landed on the moon on the deck right across from the quarantine chamber that he had to walk into. And the steps that he took from the capsule to the quarantine chamber are painted in white so his footprints are across the deck of the USS Hornet, and that deck is how the contestants in the game had to race from stage two to three without being caught by guards that are patrolling the grounds of each of these locations that bust them and send them back to square one. Um, that's the way the game sort of works. And uh, so that's number two. And then number three uh, was um, a mental uh, institution that uh, used to be where wards of the state were kept in uh, Northern California back in the day called Preston Castle. Hmm. It's the only time I've ever been in a place where white owls were screeching overhead as I was doing uh, (laughs) stand-ups. And uh, interestingly enough, I went from there the following week to the NFL draft where I hosted our coverage. And I was definitely the only person in Radio City Music Hall who uh, was in... um, I shouldn't say I wasn't the only one who was in a mental institution the week before. You never know. Well, I was going to say, some of those Jets fans probably should be Yeah, in those face painters. Right. Um, but uh, I was definitely the only one in that particular one the week before. And then the following week, I was off and running. Our next two locations were in the state of Arizona, and those are soon to be released. But they're all, like, incredible. And I had no idea some of these places existed before I went in there to do these things. And, um, man, it is... Um, it's awesome, and this it's basically if you're into the amazing race, you're into that sort of television right. uh, or you're just you know interested in like a sort of a popcorn type sixty minute show, this is right up the alley of everybody well, the amazing race uh you pretty much have to follow along for an entire season because yeah. the winner isn't determined until the end this this show 
you guys are giving away a cash prize. Hundred grand every each, show. Each yeah. episode. Yeah, it's it's a beginning, middle, and the end in, in sixty minutes, and then the next week it's different people and in a different location. And the thing I like about it too is it's you know it's real people. Um, like today, the, when we shot our episode here, the winner, when I asked what they were doing with the money, they, they essentially started breaking down and crying because of, of how, um, how, what this money means to them and how they can do X, Y, and Z in their life, um, whereas just mere hours before, they didn't have that opportunity. It's just real people, you know, and some of these teams are father, daughter, son and you know father son husband wife uh fiancés friend, long-time friends quote-unquote platonic friends <laughs> you know these yeah. are these are basically us that's, that's one of the courses, things courses real courses it's incredible when you see the the amazing race like you see some relationships get tested on that oh, yeah. show uh any any like fiancés anything yeah, broken up at the no end question. of an episode yeah there's a, there's there's a, there's a group in the um i think in the um the institution episode that I, I cannot see how they stay together after that <laughs> experience. Now, and, of course, and just for you too, Brockman. Yeah, there are some. Um, there are some. Um, why do I put it? You know, they're 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 straight out of central casting of Goodwill Hunting. Oh. These two guys. Yes. Seriously, love it, love it. Now, yeah. of course, this gets edited down. How long does the typical escape, quote unquote, take? Several hours. It can take several hours because some of these challenges, it's not just physical. It's not just like bashing through a wall or leaping over something or diving into water or, you know, climbing up or rappelling down, which some of them do. Mm. Uh, a lot of them are, are, are mental challenges like solving puzzles. And, you know, so you've got to be the full package. You can't just be some, some ripped up uh, individual who can just, you know, bash their way through the course. It's not like the MTV Road Real, Rules Challenge it's like a hybrid where, where everyone's on, rules where everyone's enhanced, so guess, to speak. I guess, look, let's just put it this way, uh, Brockman, you can't just, you know, bash your way through things. Right. Now, I saw you tweeting with Sap. Would you two make a good team? Yes. Do you think you could do this? Yes, because, you know, Warren, I mean, he's got a great head on his shoulders. He's a people's champ. And uh, and he can look at me and tell me what's what, and I can look at him and ninety percent of the time tell him what's what, <laughs> you know. And that's what this need because there's a lot of arguing, and you gotta you gotta be really savvy, and you gotta be patient, and you gotta be you gotta be um, um, you know smart, right? Because at the same get, time, again, there are guards patrolling all around, and again, it, it, the star of this, the star of, of the Great Escape, hands down, are the locations. Yeah. And people are just going to look at this and say, "Man, I, you know, how, how, how did I not know I could run around, you know, Alcatraz?" Robert Quinn of the Rams just last week tweeted out that that show looks cool. I'd love to do it myself. And the producers saw that, you know. And nice. I, I think Marcus Pollard was on uh, the Amazing Race recently. Do you think NFL teams would would let their players do something like this in an offseason? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I would love it. I think it would be great, like an NFL version of uh, of the Great Escape. I mean, wait till you see it. it, it this thing literally lends itself to being. Um, you know, like a, an athlete episode or or any, you know, this thing is going to hopefully go viral. Yeah. And you'll see, like, there'll be different places that around the world uh, that are going to try this concept. It's, we, it's really neat. We could do a podcast show where, like, me and Law take on the Danettes and take on Corolla's people. Or I whatever. think that's great. Nice. I think it's a podcast. You know what? I'm issuing the challenge right now, if anyone. Out, if even any, before the premiere. But even before, I'm just throwing out the gauntlet. Season I, two. I like it. Season two. We're, yeah. We're, we're thinking ahead. So that's, that's, that's what I'm working on. Then I come home and do the podcast we did. That's basically what I've been doing the last 10 weeks. Well, uh, 
Speaking of coming home, Brockman uh, showed me an interesting tweet earlier that that you tweeted, and I think he he had a he had a pretty good question for you. Where yeah, this was at? So, uh, so Rich, I saw last week you were hanging out with. Uh, he's not a friend of mine; he's a friend of others. Uh, Lord Stanley. Yes. Now I saw that Matthew Perry tweeted out a very similar picture from a very similar location. Yeah, one of those fancy pools. And that leads leads me to believe that you two were at the same spot at the same time. Where were you? I was was at that party, yes. See, but now here's the thing. Somebody, you know, uh, one starred us on on our iTunes page because they say that I'm a name dropper. Right. Am I really a name dropper? You can tell me. Nah, no, I, don't, I, I don't care. I don't think you're. I don't think you're. I don't think I'm a, I really. I thought, I thought that was a little. Well, when you roll deep, Rich, those are your. Those that's. Yeah, those yeah, are your people. I'm just telling I stories. Uh, you know, I, I didn't. You know, I don't think I'm a name dropper. I thought that was an unfair accusation. You know, you know who? I saw that you know who didn't want to be a name we need, dropper? You know what we need actually. Hold on a minute. We need our 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 true blue listeners to start. You know, putting stuff on the iTunes. We've never ever in our two years of doing this asked. Hey. Uh, go to the iTunes page and review us and yeah, tell point. us what you think. We've never done that. No, people just do it on I their own. I think we should do that now officially. Just go in and, and use that as a as – because a, I'm venturing to say, you know, that uh, most of our listeners don't feel the way that these jamokes well, that are coming out of the woodwork. Well, Richard, it's like my theory on Yelp. Do you Yelp if you have a good experience? Yeah. No, you're only going to Yelp if like the food was horrible and the service was bad. So yeah. most of the people that are going to comment, it's for a complaint. Not they're not going to say how good it is. So that is a great idea. We should have people go to the hey the haters speak page. loudest. So. Hey, I mean, I might be inviting more haters, but I think it's going to be different. Oh, okay. So I let's get, so. let's get back to the but actual yes, question. Was, where, where, where were you? Um, that was at uh, Matthew Perry's house. And he's, you know, he's the number one Kings fan, and they brought the they brought the cup to his place. Where, nice. How many of the players were there? Uh, only one, a Kopitar. Anzi Kopitar was there, and there is a photograph of him tipping the cup uh, filled with um, a particular beverage into yes. my mouth. Excellent. I drank from the cup. Oh, wow. No way. Oh, 100% did wow. that. Now, if I want to ever be close to the cup, it was funny. Like, uh, my wife was there, too. And, um, you know, I was first when I first got there, and this was, a, this was the end of Father's Day. Right. And, um, which is great. I mean, Father's Day is a great day. But I think all the folks out there with kids know it's a long day because, you know, we're, we're like the children of lost toys of, of, of holidays. You know, Mother's Day. Now, that's you know, that's basically the whole world stops spinning for Mother's Day. <laughs> Father's Day is just another day that feels a little special, and that has nothing to do with the way you know. My wife set it up; she was great. The kids were great, but it's still a long day. It's a Sunday. You're surviving and advancing. Right. I needed the first thing I got was a red wine in my hand, and then I step up to the cup, and there, you know, she's like, my wife's like, take a picture, and I think you'll be proud of me, uh, Chris. Is <laughs> I put the red wine down. I grabbed a beer. There's no way I could, I could have a Cabernet in my hand yeah, next to the Stanley Cup. That, yeah, that would have definitely been a. Uh, a full would've, plot. I would have I lost some serious credibility. True. However, you might have been the first person ever to drink red wine out of the cup. There's no way, dude. Every I, I, every possible liquid on so? the planet, and and every <laughs> I'm, I, I shouldn't even go there, but I would venture to say there there's. There's no question wine has been in that cup. What would you drink out of the cup, Law? Uh, I would probably have a delicious yingling lager. 
out okay. of the cup. I think I'm going to go ice cream sundae. I'm not a, I'm not a drinker, what? so I'm, I don't drink. So okay. I, I think I would go something uh, sweets. Or maybe, or maybe some cereal. But I, I, I learned that um, that only those who win the cup are allowed to hoist it over their heads. And there were two dudes there that uh, were guardians of the cup. They go, they, they basically live with the Stanley Cup. Wow! So, so it has its own secret service. So yes, to speak. but you know, so does the, the you know the Lombardi Trophy has um, people watching it all the time when it's on our set. Right. You know, Lombardi, Lombardi, as you know is a piece of Tiffany hardware. Mm-hmm. And it's got its own blue bag like anything you get from Tiffany. And it, it's kept in a um it's kept in a in a you know uh, a huge um I guess why am I blanking on the word? I've just been traveling so freaking much. Like a uh, case? trunk, huge like trunk. A pelican case. Right. Sorry, a huge trunk. And you have to have the white gloves to touch right. it. Right. You have to have the white gloves when you touch it. And 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 the security guards are watching it all the time and are told don't let anybody get near it. And um, to the point where I'll never forget at our Super Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida, we had the Fox guys on the set because Fox had the game. Mm-hmm. So we had Howie Long and Bradshaw on the set, and things, as you might imagine, got out of hand. <laughs> no way. Yes, they got out of hand. And I asked Bradshaw what it's like to touch that trophy and i pointed to it because we have it again on our set is set dressing every super bowl right and bradshaw started talking about it and as he talked about it, he figured he'd go and grab it again now this is a man who has touched that trophy four times in his life nobody in i believe no player has ever touched it more some have touched it as many charles haley, charles haley has five. five yes five so charles haley is the only person who's touched it more correct right, right. no quarterbacks ever touched no quarterback it no. let's put it that way right uh, so here's a quarterback who's touched it four times. Security jumped up on the stage on live television on NFL Network in her yellow security slicker <laughs> to prevent Bradshaw from touching it for a fifth time. <laughs> and I mentioned this story to those two guys who, who, who you know, watch the Cup, and they're, they're proud of the fact that the Stanley Cup is an accessible piece of hardware. That it travels, it parties. Yeah, it, it definitely goes, parties. People can touch it. Well, I saw tweets that night as after the Kings won of it uh, in Redondo Beach at some bar. Yeah, you know, so it's 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 a it's a it's a trophy of the people, and I believe Frank Sapovitz of the NFL is trying to uh, make the Lombardi in a similar similar way. He's he came from the NHL before he became the, the super VP of events of the NFL. And that's why he brought, if you noticed, and only in the last few years, the Lombardi is brought into the Super Bowl by um, a previous Super Bowl champion. Right. And it's basically brought into the it's stadium kind of, now. It's ushered to the stage, it's basically. Through, they, they, right. It's walked to the stage through the hands of the champions that have just won it. Right, the Giants. And they reach out and touch it, uh, grab it. Going by. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and then it's brought up to the podium in a way. It, used to, it just used to appear on the podium in the hand of, like, Jim Nance or Dan Patrick or Tariko, you know? Right. And um, now it's brought in. There's more of a, of a feel to it. And I like that. I think that's great. But the cup, I mean, the cup still has some traditions to it, many traditions, as you might imagine, uh, in that you can't, the only one who, the only one of that party could have hoisted it was Kopitar. 
but you can and touch it. And he was also it. the were only you... one who could tip it, too. Okay, were you allowed to touch it, though, yes. without gloves? Yeah, you're allowed to touch it. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. Touch it. And, and then I just, you know, I, I mean, I tweeted out, I, could, I should maybe tweet out the picture from the top. I think I did. I think you did, yeah, the bird's Because I never, I never looked, I've never seen in. And that was like the, you know. What, what, what was written? I had just champ- names of champions from gotcha. you know, almost probably freaking 100 years ago. Yeah. Now, do the security and, and guards. Then, and the thing I, I asked them, too, you know, because, you, you know, the, the bottom ring has space, I think, for like eight more champions on it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, what happens? Like, do they, does the cup just be, basically become bigger? Right? Do they add another tier right. to it? And the answer was no. What they do is they move the bottom. They move, move each bottom ring up one, and then whatever's the top ring, they remove it and put it in the Hall of Fame. Oh, fuck. so basically, it goes from the champions of the twenties, which is the the top part of the cup, and then when you get to the rungs, it goes from the twenties to the fifties. So the thirties and forties, I believe, are in the Hall of Fame right now, gotcha. and soon the fifties will be. And it'll just keep moving up and up and up. That's great. Yeah, that's the, the cup. By far the coolest championship trophy. You know, but I just loved sort of talking to these guys about how what the Lombardi is and what what the what the cup is. It's no Con Smythe trophy though, right, Brockman? Con Smythe trophy's not there. By the way, Jonathan <laughs> Quick, uh, we're 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 close to booking him for say, the podcast. Are we efforting? We're efforting. Excellent, excellent. Yes. Well, right. I think we'd be remiss with you in New Orleans to not ask you what the buzz is down there. Yeah, um, man, uh, they're not the, happy. Folks here in New Orleans love their NFL, but they don't love the NFL, if yeah. that makes sense right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, I'm sure you and they're saw nervous Vilma's... about Breeze. I was going to say. Oh, really nervous. Yeah, that has not been resolved. Well, it doesn't look we've like talked it's about it. This right. is going to be, you know. 11th, oh, 13th hour. Yeah, you know, and our, our, our good friend Adam Schefter tweeted out what somebody uh, reported on, on uh, Wednesday. That uh, you know the, the Saints are you know uh, li- are likely to sign Breeze by July 16th. That's what I love. You know, all of our all of our friends in the information business, they 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 use words like likely, plan to, you know, loopholes. They couch them. They couch the terms. You can't. You know, it, it's never really just etched. Like Breeze will be signed by X number date. But uh, although our our friend Lock and Ford did that, I believe about uh, about Peyton Manning that he will be released by the combine, and he was, and he you know he wasn't, but three days off, eventually, right? right? Like three weeks later, yeah, three weeks. But that's why there's all counting. But anyway, that's the bottom line. Is this? It's a last minute business. I mean, what yeah. point? What point does it give Breeze to uh, bend right now? Right when there's a threat of him not showing up to the to. To training camp. I mean, he just did not appear at OTAs, which was a, a leverage point, just to show, okay, uh, your third-string quarterback ran your OTAs, everybody, yeah. because Chase Daniel was hurt at one point, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a dark moment for the Saints, where they're trying to figure, all these fans here are wondering, you know, a lot of people think that their year is completely finished, and I told them that, that that's just not true. I mean, it's not true. You take a look at the four players that are in the, in the mix right now, for with all this craziness, uh, Fajita and and Hargrove aren't even on the team anymore. Right. And Vilma Vilma is definitely a, a heartbeat type player. He's that's the one that you know obviously you're concerned about. And um, Will Smith's the other. Right. Yeah. W- w- but he's only he's only on the block for a quarter of the season, and they've already been without him for a quarter of a season, if I'm not mistaken. And and done well. And and Peyton is obviously an issue. But if Breeze comes back, he's your field general. Anyway, 
What was and, uh, you know, they, they, it will be strange, and it'll be, it'll be awkward, but I don't think, you know, you could say the Saints season is done right now, and that's what I was telling a lot. I was telling waiters and folks out around here that I've been speaking to, um, and, and right now in June, this is all we're talking about is, sure. is, is, is the bounty and what's going on in New York and the commissioners and the, NFL, the commissioner and the NFL and the lawyers and all that stuff, but training camp will roll around. And I, I would be stunned if Bree, I mean, Breeze maybe, maybe just to make a point, would say, all right, let's see how you do in the first preseason game. Uh, and I'm not even throwing in the Hall of Fame game into that, which would obviously be a high-profile sit-down for him mm-hmm. um, or a high-profile no-show. But there's no question he's going to be in the fold, and, and he will be a saint for life. And, you know, it's, it's just the ugly business side of things. He will be a saint for life, as well he should be. Because he is, he is, he is sainted in this neck of the woods. Oh yeah. I mean, they love they love Drew Brees, and they love their Saints. But right now, they're they're a little ticked at the NFL. Would you think of uh, how strong Jonathan Vilma's statements were right outside of three forty five Park Avenue? Well, I mean, this is it. I mean, he's he's he went all in with the uh, with the defamation with the with the slander and libel suit with the NFL. Which to me is, uh, I've mentioned in the podcast before, I think that's a tough sell because I think in a court of law you have to prove that someone was reckless, that the commissioner knew that Vilma had nothing to do with it and, and said it anyway. Yeah. And in essence, these Saints players are taking the Lance Armstrong, Roger Clemens defense. You know, it wasn't, wasn't us. We didn't do it. Well, I don't know what, and, and how to shake this thing out, and but the bottom, the... the bottom line is this. Uh, thank God the CBA was hammered out. Um, that's the first thing I'm saying here. Oh, yeah. But um, the players did sign off in that CBA to let the commissioner still be the, the jury as well as the judge. That's the deal. And, you know, you could go all the way back to, you know, Kenesaw Mountain Landis in baseball and eight men out. Those guys went into a court of law, right, and they were acquitted. Correct? Yep. Yep. And then Kenesaw Mountain Landis said, not so fast, you're banned for life anyway. A commissioner has different powers. You know, it's still a business. A business is not a court of law. Where if a jury acquits you, like Clemens, you're still beholden to a different power at your place of business. Right. And the commissioner in the collective bargaining agreement has every right to say, uh, this is your penalty. And unfortunately for some of these guys, if they feel that the commissioner cannot... Um, adjudicate this, you know, uh, a, an appeal fairly. Uh, he's the guy who says to them, oh, this is your appeal. It still slightly bothers me that uh, Greg Williams didn't appeal, didn't put up any stink about his... Suspension. Well, everyone is saying there's a difference between a pay for performance and a bounty. That's the parsing Yeah. right now that, that you're hearing, is that, you know, if you, there's a pay for performance and there's a bounty. The paper performance is a thousand dollars a sack. This, that, the other thing. The bounty is you got five grand for hitting somebody and hurting them and carting them off. So Greg Williams could sit there and say, "Well, we did this paper performance that is illegal in the bylaws of the NFL, blah blah blah," but we didn't bounty. I think that's what you're hearing right now from a lot of the legal folks too. You're hearing that that that's the difference, and we'll see. It's a very thorny issue. I think Jeff Pash the. Uh, the top, uh, uh, the top dog in the legal uh, aspect of the NFL world, he said it perfectly this week, which was, hey, you know, we didn't ask for this. We don't really, <laughs> like, if you think we wanted to spend the first offseason 
of labor peace after right. the off season we had last year. If you thought we wanted to spend it like this and have this in the headlines, you've got to be out of your mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but that was essentially his point. He said, like, do you think this is what we want the headlines? This is what we want people talking about in June of the first of the first off season with no labor issues? This is what we want to talk about. You're out of your mind. You know, we should be talking about lock RG three. Um, you know, can the Giants repeat? What have uh, What has your team fill in the blank done to improve for the 2012 season? You know, I mean, this is what the league wants to talk about. You know, I sure uh, as you know, somebody who talked about this for a living wanted. This is what I want to talk about. Yeah. But here in New Orleans, you know, they're genuinely concerned that their season's already been kneecapped. And um, they're really uh, nervous about Breeze. But I, I keep telling them it's just the business side of things. Uh, I would be stunned if Drew Breeze wasn't ready, fully ready and prepared in the Drew Breeze that we all know and come to expect with the Florida Lee on his side of his helmet, that he, he's not going to be raring to go for 2012 and ready. So this is posting on Friday the 22nd. Yes, sir. You're you're batting lead off for your own podcast on this media world. Am I really on this media whirlwind tour you're, you're on? What else? Uh, where else can people find you? You're going to be on your weekly appearance on the DP show. Yeah, promoting this. Yeah, I mean, but really, it's just uh, I'm I'm excited. The Great Escape, I'm excited for, and you know, you might see me in various other places. But it's ten o'clock Eastern and Pacific on uh, on TNT. Um, <laughs> we're quite frankly rooting for a Miami Heat win on Thursday night um, as we currently are taping because that's a, that would remove uh, the finals from that day part. And it's every su- every Sunday through the summer, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, we have a viewing party on uh, yeah. Sunday, yeah. the 24th, yeah. correct? You guys are in. You guys are in. Excellent. You guys Excellent. are in. I will, I will send you the appropriate information. You want, you, you, want, you, you want to be plus one, Chris Law? I would also like to be that plus one. That would be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Are you going to bring, uh, as Young Hollywood, bring in Miss Young Hollywood? She's coming. Okay. Yeah, if, Miss, if the Mrs. Locke had come, we just were we just spent the weekend in San Fran for the anniversary, so that would be nice. Oh, you did? Yes. We you were, were not we, at we somebody's saw wedding or somebody's... Performing someone's no, wedding? No, Performing somebody's wedding? I wasn't... You, you, weren't the, you weren't the designated party friends? I wasn't in a meeting. I wasn't performing <laughs> a wedding. That's all you're doing right now is attending weddings <laughs> or and meetings. meetings. That's it. That's all I do. Seriously. Wow. And, and occasionally podcasting. And occasionally podcasting. Yes. Excellent. Moonlighting as a podcaster every now and again. Yeah. Right, uh, I don't believe Aaron Andrews is going to be there, though, Brockman. I'm sorry. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry about that. Oh, man. Uh, I'm okay with that. that that's more on well, Why? That, because you're bringing your girlfriend? Oh, yeah. And then that's more on law. For, he would just screw up who she is. Oh, come on. Please. Yeah. I didn't, Jen I didn't, Brown. Uh, he thought she was Jen Brown. I knew who she was. This fish is just getting larger and larger. It is. It's great. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's passing week. It's fantastic. Unbelievable. Safe travels back, Rich. All right, brothers. All right. We'll see you on the other side, Rich. All right, guys. Have, have a good rest of the podcast. Understand your pr- protect the brand. We, we're, we're, protect the brand. We're protecting. Okay. See you, Rich. See you. All right, so there you have it. Rich's new show premiering on TNT this uh, this Sunday. We're going to get to go to the party, uh, Brockman. That's Let's true. Be a good time. I'm actually getting an invite this time to one of your guys' parties. Hey. I feel so privileged. Hey, you know, young Hollywood, you have plenty of things to go see and do. <laughs> uh, what are you What are you going to wear to this occasion? Do you know? Yet? You know what? I actually asked you that because the invitation that Rich kind of forwarded us was sort of fancy. It, it was a little fancy. I think I might just wear khakis just to be safe. Khakis to be safe. No. No jacket? Or, I think I'm going to go or a jacket. You're jorts. 
And uh, I'm going to go jorts. You're going to wear uh, Adam Sandler's <laughs> out- outfit, and that's my boy. And that's my boy. Yes, which we did see. It. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. It was pretty right. funny. Uh, the rest of America didn't think so. It apparently tanked at didn't, the box didn't office. Didn't do as, as good as it, as it, uh, it could have done. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Neither um, here nor there. So up next, we're going to talk with, uh, with Greg Rosenthal, who's the uh, Around the League Managing Editor for NFL.com. Um, Indeed, and he spent a lot of time with NBC Sports and Pro Football Talk. So we're gonna just kind of bump around the, the 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 country here, go to a few different hot spots, yeah, kind of get his yeah, play a little rapid fire, just yeah. throw out some uh, hot topics of the week. Cause there's so much going on. It, it's one of the things we talk about all the time. Everyone asks me. I'm sure they ask you when they find out you work for the NFL. What do you guys do in the off season? Yeah, everyone just thinks that that we just kind of hang out and our post and up and just do one show a day. But there's actually a lot going on. There's a lot of news. And, well, I have, uh, I, I'm in meetings a lot. But you go to a lot of meetings, and and I, yeah, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> you write on uh, chrisbrockman.com. I, I write for chrisbrockman.com, where we mention movies. I do some movie reviews if you want to go over there all right well let's uh but yeah there's a lot going on so obviously we'll hit on a lot of topics with yeah greg. i think greg uh, greg just phoned in so let's get to uh let's get to greg rosenthal right now all right pleased to welcome now to the rich eisen podcast from nfl.com greg rosenthal greg how you doing what's up guys how you doing bud Pleasure. i'm doing well are you, sur- are you surviving the heat wave in new york right now I- i'm doing all right i'm staying inside at, at the league offices they have you know, a big warning that you have to conserve energy uh, and, like, keep the lights, and it's from the city. And I'm thinking, you know, this is like the NFL. This is New York City, and, and we have to worry about the lights. So so conserving energy, is that from, like, a 400-word article down to, like, 300? Is that is that, is that how, how we're conserving some energy? or Something like that. We're, we're stretching for stories. You, you guys know this time of year, it, we're just about to hit the, the quiet time, but, but we've been cranking them out anyway. Yeah, well, so, so you, you manage the uh, NFL Around the League uh, page and blog for NFL.com, essentially. Actually, this past week, there hasn't really been a shortage of stories. There's been a bunch of stuff in the news. We'll start with, uh, I guess, from the area you came from. You're a Tulane grad, so New Orleans has been all in the news. You had Jonathan Vilma standing outside the office. We touched on this earlier with Rich, who was on just before you. Um, just kind of sum up what, what's going on and what you're hearing is the latest with uh, with what's going on with the, the Bounty Gate. Well, it, it's crazy because... Both sides are really using the same information and coming to totally different conclusions. I mean, if you think about it, the NFL pretty much presented the case uh, to the media on Monday, and a lot of the media saw it and thought it was explosive evidence, and, and we really, it seemed to cement that there was a value program. And the NFLPA is putting out the exact same material on their website, basically saying this proves how, how flimsy it is. So. Uh, it's just gotten into a situation where you're just arguing over the really minute details, and, and I think that's been the strategy of the NFLPA, and, and frankly, I think it's worked a little better than, than I would have thought. For, for the NFLPA, you're saying their, their strategy, they're coming out looking a little bit better than they originally may have? Well, you know, I think anyone looking at everything can agree that there was something going on, that there was a bounty program. I mean, Greg Williams, Joe Vitt, you know, they have a lot of people that have come forward and, and talked to the NFL about it. There's, there's a lot of evidence that it's there, but, but what they found is, is just poking holes, to me, in, in different pieces of the evidence and, and trying to point out, okay, this isn't right, this isn't right. Um, overall, I think it, it shows there's a bounty program. 
but but Jonathan Vilma and those guys, to me, they're they're fighting more of a PR war than anything. And I think among fans out there that there is confusion about it. And I think that was the goal of the players. You know, it's really funny to me is that. The players were almost taking this like Shaggy approach. You know that singer Shaggy? He had that song that was like, you caught me on the sofa, you caught me on the camera. It wasn't me. I I didn't do it, despite all this video evidence. The players are basically saying, yeah, all this evidence exists. Yeah, it wasn't me. Like Anthony Hardgrove, you can hear his voice. No, I didn't say that. Uh, Are you buying this? Like, is this working? Uh, I'm not really buying it, but I think it's creating enough confusion in the public. I mean, the Hargrove one is is a good example, and you can't see his lips moving on that. It, but I think what, what that, you know, obscures is someone said it. You know what I mean? Whether it was Anthony Hargrove or not, um, there was a, a piece of paper before their defensive meeting that said uh, it had Dr. Bounty Hunter in it. It had a bounty. Uh, it talked about collecting a bounty. And to me, I looked at that, and I thought, you know what? What more do you need in general to to realize there's there was some sort of thing going on? And then the night after that, uh, Drew Brees compared it compared the evidence to to George Bush and yeah, WMD. Well, yeah, that, so right. and quickly apologize. I mean, for that. it's the 40th anniversary of Watergate, and there are lots of smoking guns here. I feel like. Yeah, and you know, I think if the players have one effective strategy, I don't think it's going to work in terms of getting anything reduced. It's that, okay, why is Jonathan Vilma 16 games and the other guys are so much less? Why is it Scott Fajita versus, you know, other players on the team? I I think that's an argument that they're making publicly that is resonating. So, I guess, at the end of the day, what do you think comes of this? Is there an injunction place? Do we see Vilma playing this year, or do you think the suspension will be upheld, reduced? I'd be shocked if the suspension changed. I don't think Jonathan Vilma is going to be on the field. I think defamation lawsuit is going to wind up being a waste of money for him. To me, he, he's fighting a very different battle than the other three guys. I and mean, you really saw that on Monday when he left the hearings and the other three stayed there. Is Drew Brees going to be on the field for the Saints this year? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. In, in New Orleans, that, that should be the concern. I mean, right. Arguably, you know, a quarterback coming out the greatest season ever isn't signed uh, for a team that essentially doesn't have its head coach, and that's getting ignored. I do think he'll get signed probably by the mid-July date, uh, which comes up because of the franchise tag. It's kind of a, a deadline for them, and I, I do think he'll be in camp on time. We speculated uh, earlier with Rich that he may miss the Hall of Fame game. Do you see him missing any preseason games? I, I don't because just because of the contractual rules and, and how it all happens with, with the franchise, I, I think it happens by mid-July. And, and I know they've had disagreements about how close they are. It, in reality, they're not that far away. I mean, from everything we've heard, they're offering to make Drew Brees the highest-paid quarterback in football already. I, I think they'll be able to come up with a gap. Yeah. You know, the, the NFC South is a very compelling division this season is with all the turmoil going on with that team no head coach breeze situation is there a chance the saints miss the playoffs altogether oh absolutely and, and i'm someone that doesn't think they're going to totally fall apart just because sean payton's gone i mean okay. to me drew breeze is more important than sean payton jonathan Vilma to me doesn't make a difference at all he was really struggling last year i think they upgraded at his position will smith's gone four games but you have Cam Newton. I think he's ready to be one of the ten, maybe five best quarterbacks in the league now. You have Atlanta Falcons who are a playoff team each year. Uh, they could absolutely miss the playoffs. I think that's going to be a very close three-team race. 
Yeah, that, that division is kind of up for grabs. Uh, another article you guys wrote about on ATL this week was Julio Jones and you know the, the progress he's making down in Atlanta, basically calling him potentially a top five wide receiver. But he's got Roddy White on the on the counter side there. How, how do you see his year two uh, shaping up? I think he's going to be outstanding. I mean, Julio Jones almost had a thousand yards, had eight touchdowns. People weren't that excited. They're saying, "Was well, that a good trade?" I mean, that that's easily a better rookie season than Calvin Johnson. It's easily better than Larry Fitzgerald. It's about the same as Andre Johnson. Those are kind of the three guys. When you look at Julio Jones, to me, he can do everything because he's so powerful and yet he's a big playmaker. So to me, that offense is more dangerous than it's been in a while. Harry Douglas, I think, will make some noise as their third receiver. I think they'll be able to throw the ball a lot, and they'll be very solid this year. Right, they've really gone away from the running game that they've kind of been built upon with Michael Turner the previous few seasons. Which is good, and I think their offensive coordinator change will be a good thing for them. I mean, Mike Malarkey, he had a, he had a solid run there. I think they got a little predictable at times. I don't think Michael Turner and the running game, the guys behind him, are the strength of the team. I think came it over to Matt Ryan, let them go no huddle more, and I think it'll work out. So what you're saying is is that I should try to get Matt Ryan back. I had him last year, so you're saying I should try to redraft him in my fantasy league this season. I, I do think so, because this is kind of the year where everyone's sick of Matt Ryan. You know what I mean? I mean, everyone's sick of waiting for him to break out. I was kind of sick of him really for happened. the first part of last year. He was really killing me. Right. I mean, everyone's... It's kind of the year where it's like, okay, this guy maybe isn't going to be as awesome as we thought. That's usually the year where you get some fantasy value. That's usually the year they do break out. I think it's set up so nicely for them. Uh, like I said, with Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez is still there. It's a pretty good offense. So you, see, you, so you think with Dirk Cutter, uh, the addition of Dirk Cutter there, that they're going to spread things out a little bit more and get more, more, more a downhill passing game? I, I do. He's more of a vertical guy. I think he'll want to throw more. He ended up running in Jacksonville last year because he had to, but going back to his college days and what he wanted to do early in Jacksonville, I think he wants to throw the ball, and they're talking about no huddle. And Matt Ryan's got some flaws in his game, but I think that's where he shines. He, he's one of the best at, at commanding, and, and I think he's kind of ready to take that next step. Perfect. Well, we're going to keep with this uh, around the league theme and just kind of keep rapid firing at you here with a, a few of the latest topics. Uh, so Randy Moss looking pretty good in San Francisco. Uh, he's going to be uh, possibly a starter alongside Michael Crabtree from out of the league to starter. Is this is this true? <laughs> That's the word. And it's coming from, you know, people I respect and, and trust out there. I'm having a hard time buying it that when they're tackling and when they, you can press the receivers, which you can't really do in, in the offseason, that he's going to look like the same guy. I mean, there is just no precedent of a guy who looked beyond done and then was out of the league for a year coming back at 35 and making a big impact. So I, I kind of won't really believe it until I see it. I mean, I, I'm not buying this. The Randy Moss? There's no way. I just can't see it, especially with Alex Smith and a no-nonsense guy like Jim Harbaugh, that that, that he's going to make a full comeback and make any sort of impact. I can't see it. I, I was at one of those games uh, in Moss's last season early, you know, with the Patriots. Uh, it is last year early in that season. I mean, and he couldn't get off single coverage, period. They were just leaving one guy out there to cover Randy Moss, and it was working, and they dumped him. And Minnesota gives up a lot, and he doesn't make any impact there and they dump him. And then he gets to Tennessee, and he doesn't make any impact there. When three teams give up on you in one year in a league where teams will bend over backward for anyone that can even moderately help them, 
uh, to me, that said it all. Well, let me ask you this. Who's going to finish with more catches, better stats, et cetera, next year, Chad Ochocinco or Randy Moss? <laughs> wow, that's a good question. Uh, I actually would go with Randy Moss on that one. Really? Wow. It looked like he set up the play. I don't even know if Chad Ochocinco is going to make that team. Uh there's not a lot of competition there, but I don't know if there's going to be a lot of catches for anyone on that team. I was going to say, does that speak more to your faith in the Dolphins quarterbacks or Moss actually being in shape enough to make that team and make an impact? Right. I mean, I, I think the neither one is going to light it up, but right. it sounds like they're pretty committed to Moss. And, you know, Matt Moore is probably the favorite to start there. It's a new offense. You know, who who is the top receivers there? Brian Hartline, Devon Best. Devon Best, yeah. Uh, going to be ugly. So how, how do you see that um, playing out? Because it looked like Moore and Gerard were splitting first-team reps um, at OTAs or uh, minicamps last week, but I guess Tannehill did get a few a few first uh, first round snaps, but struggled a little bit in the red zone and some two-minute drill stuff. So where we saw Leslie Frazier anoint, um, anoint Christian Ponder. Christian Ponder is the starter already in Minnesota. We haven't really seen that with Tannehill. We have no idea what's going on in Miami. How do you see that quarterback battle playing out? I'd be really surprised if Tannehill starts the year as their quarterback. He was always supposed to be a guy, you know, that maybe takes a year watching on the sideline, and, and everything we've heard coming out of Miami supports that, and that's fine. That's, that's probably a good idea. I'm probably one of the few people in the world that think Matt Moore is pretty good. I mean, not great, but, like, not any worse than, let's say, Kyle Orton, or probably not that much worse than Carson Palmer, who gets a lot of respect. Like, a guy that can go out there and he'll be okay. We've had that discussion a few times on this podcast, and uh, I know Rich is of the mindset that he thinks Matt Moore is the guy there, and he's going to start, and I I kind of agree. I was going to say, all things considered, wouldn't you rather have Matt Moore than Matt Flynn? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think I would. I would. Uh, I watched a couple of those Flynn games. I mean, he's, they're, they're kind of similar quarterbacks, but more as the experience uh, edge at this point. And he was out there last year. He played well. I mean, he, he was not bad at all. I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl for you. Uh, but the one thing that worries me about him and, and them is, you know, they are really giving David Garrard a, a good chance to start on that team. So it makes you wonder if the new staff doesn't quite believe in that more. So David Garrard the back, all the issues. I mean, he obviously cleared his physical and everything, but he's he's good to go? He's been out there. He's been healthy. It seems like he's put the health uh, risk behind him. With maybe that year off was, was a positive for him. I mean, he was a pretty good starting quarterback, too. The problem was that was three or four years ago. You just don't know if he still has that. Okay, perfect. How do you see Christian Ponder holding up up there, especially with all the Percy Harvin trade rumors swirling? Well, you know, if you know, for a moment when it looked like Harvin wasn't, you know, going to be around there, I started thinking like, who, who's going to be their starting wide receivers week one? Jerome Simpson, who they're really excited about, even though you know he really didn't do that much in Cincinnati in four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's suspended at the beginning of the year, so the starters would be Devin Aromo should do and Michael, Michael Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, the, and uh, Pickens there. So I, I don't know. He's going to be a hard guy to evaluate. I think for a rookie, he was solid last year. I don't think you can really kill what he did. I, I think he showed enough to, to give them some hope, uh, and, that, and that's about it. I'm surprised. I was a little surprised that. Uh, I mean, it's, I guess it's good to instill the confidence uh, at this point uh, in your your young quarterback. But Joe Webb looked pretty solid when he was in. He's certainly not the future, but uh, to 
to just already announce it and not, you know, have that competition in uh, in, in training camp is a little surprising. I, I was a little surprised at least. Yeah, it's one of those things where you have the decision makers who, you know, they're going with Christian Ponder. Rick Spielman made that pick. There, there was some talk that there was a disagreement about that pick, that that was really a Spielman pick. Leslie Frazier maybe uh, wasn't ready to uh, go with a franchise quarterback then. Now Spielman's really running the show personnel-wise. He, he didn't take Joe Webb. Uh, Frazier doesn't really have any attachment to him, and, and they have a high pick in the draft this year, and there's no way they even think about taking a quarterback, of course. It's just, to me, it's like, you made it. You made the choice. Spielman and Frazier, they're either going to sink or swim with Christian Bonham. We have a couple of disgruntled running backs in the league currently. Uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, Ray Rice, Matt Forte, all holding out. Um, which of those guys do you see coming into camp first? Maurice Jones-Drew, you know, is a five-year, $30 million deal. The other two guys are both franchised, and their, their deals are nowhere near what Maurice Jones-Drew was. Uh, of those three, who do you see getting into camp first, and who do you see potentially being the, the long-term holdout here? I think Ray Rice gets there first because the Ravens have a good history of paying their guys, and um, I don't think they're as far apart as the Bears in Forte. And it's not as confusing a situation as MJD and the Jaguars. So I think he gets into camp, whether he misses a week or two, I think he'll be in camp in plenty of time. Forte, I think, goes longer. There's no way he's going to miss week one. I mean, he's getting more money this year than he's made in the last yeah. four years combined. Uh, Jones Drew is probably my pick to go the longest, just because I have no idea how that thing is settled other than Jones Drew just caving because I don't see the Jaguars moving off their position. That really kills my fantasy team. He's one of my keepers. <laughs> That's a problem. Uh, go get Rashad Jennings, I guess, right? Or I, could just, or I could just ditch him and keep Matt Ryan, I guess. One other thing I kind of wanted to hit on you with, which I, I, I find fascinating, uh, you, you hit up uh, Broadcast Boot Camp this week at NFL Films, correct? I did, yes. So, I was there all Tuesday. So how, how was that? And if, I guess for the listeners, explain a little bit of what Broadcast Boot Camp is and kind of just what what that day or it's actually a week for these guys, correct? Yeah, they're there I think three and a half days or really four days total. Um, it's intense. And I, I didn't know as much as I thought about it. I didn't know how hard it is to get in there. Uh, they told me only about 20% of the players that try to get in uh, are accepted and, and basically guys that are looking for another career some current players more former players they go through a pretty rigorous like hour-long class and then go to another class on you know various parts of the broadcasting industry i mean they have some really technical stuff like voice and they have ron jaworski showing you how to break down film uh, and then they have some more basic stuff like you know how to meet executives and, and a whole bunch of different stuff and it, it was it was really fascinating to see these guys in a different scenario, most of them were so nervous, uh, realizing they have a long way to go. And, and I think the boot camp name uh, was appropriate. Like, they, they did not coddle these guys. I thought that was good. They, they really hammered it in that, that it's going to be a long road. You're not usually these guys there. They're not the superstars. So they're really starting again at the bottom. Yeah, because um, I, I guess kind of like the, the article, your article had stated, you know, these guys – get told from high school on that the greatest thing since sliced bread and they're coming into an environment that they may not be as familiar with one of the guys that was there is a friend of the podcast uh michael robinson who's been on who was on last time that chris and i guest hosted that's true the podcast how, how did he do he was great i actually didn't see his you know they do some different tests 
Uh, they go on the radio. They tape a segment with Kurt Menefee or James Brown, which is really cool. I didn't see his. I talked to him. He's a great guy. I bet he was terrific. Who, who uh, some stood of the guys, out for you? Is, go was, ahead. Sorry. Was, was there anyone who stood out? Uh, Joel Dreesen was really good as a Texan. Nate Burleson of the Lions was good. Um, Chris Jenkins was awesome. I mean, he's had a lot of experience already. Yeah. That didn't really surprise me. Uh, they gave a, a job, basically, to Troy Brown and Mark Pousher. Uh Troy Brown used to be with the Patriots, and, and he was the one saying he's so used to everyone just telling him how great he is, and it was an adjustment to get, to get all this criticism because the producers did not hold back there, which is good. Uh, I think Brown and Pousher actually got jobs for a week or a couple weeks uh, to do some NFL games uh, for the BBC in London. As a Patriots fan, it, 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 it gives me great pleasure when the Jets are in turmoil. Why exactly is Darrell Revis thinking about holding out again? Didn't we already go through this two years ago? It's crazy, and I think he knows that the backlash would be crazy. And, and I think they're just playing this out making the Jets a little worried, trying to get a conversation started that the Jets have no interest in making, trying to bring up a point, you know, that, you know, they, they signed the deal as a four-year deal, but it was a Band-Aid. But that's not how the Jets view that. They're kind of twisting their words. I, I in the end, don't think he's going to hold out, but it, it's just another headache for them. So, yeah, it is kind of enjoyable to see. Yeah, and the other, and the other point was uh, there was some college football news the other day, the possibility of a four-team playoff in 2014. Any take on that? Are you a huge college football fan? I know it's it's just a topic everyone can't seem to get enough of. I'm not the biggest college football fan. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, that's usually well, like well, you, you went to Tulane, so you know you can't really be that big of a college football fan at Tulane. <laughs> Sean King. Uh, when I was there, we, we would have been in the BCS before the BCS was around. <laughs> it would have been Boise State. Sean King didn't lose a game. JP Lossman, the pride so of the Green Wave. <laughs> It was so annoying because they never let them play a team. They only played, like, one tw- top 20 team the whole year, and they crushed them. So you, you really had no idea how good they were. Uh, so I like the idea. They probably wouldn't have been in the 14 playoff then either, but how can you not like the idea? It's at least it's better. It might not be perfect, but I'll take it. Why, but, but, I mean, if you, I don't really know much about it, but why would they wait a year? Why wouldn't they just implement this immediately? Because yeah, the NCAA screws everything up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's definitely uh, probably the best answer you, you could yeah, you could have given there. Yeah. Um, so around the league, this is kind of a new thing for NFL. dot com. It's yourself. It's Dan Hanzus, Mark Sessler, Brian McIntyre. Just explain a little bit to to some of our audience what what NFL around the league is is trying to accomplish. Well, basically covering the league, but with with analysis, with hopefully some smart takes, doing some of the lighter side, you know. Having a little personality, we, we don't have to be as straight as, you know, news as the rest of the site, but, but giving you, like, a really quick uh, view of the NFL that, you know, we don't have to wait and write out a thousand-word thing. If, if news happens, we can get a quick reaction, 200 words about kind of what it means. So, so you get the news on, on NFL.com, but ours will be the news and basically explaining what it means and, and kind of looking ahead and seeing what's going to happen. A little bit more easily digestible. As well, hopefully, correct? hopefully, and, and hopefully, you know, entertaining. Yeah, and it's fun stuff. I've been pushing for this when I first when I got yeah, here. Yeah, it's it's great, and people can follow around the league at uh, on Twitter at NFL underscore ATL. Correct. 
Yes, I'm loving these plugs. No, absolutely. Fantastic. No, we, we I didn't even have to bring guys, it up. You guys do. You guys oh, wait, do great you mean, stuff. You mean plugs like Chris underscore Brockman and at Toe for Law? Yeah, at, exactly. You can follow Chris at Chris right. underscore Brockman. By the way, I am one follower away from a thousand. So someone push me over the hump. So um, you guys learn from the promotional master. Oh god, he's 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 the G. And that's that's what I never understood. He gives me all kinds of grief for plugging all my own stuff, like chrisbrockman.com or Chris underscore Brockman. <laughs> And then and I'm like, Rich, I learned from the best, and Rich learned from the best. Dan Patrick, it's like, come on. Now, I do want to get one story out of you because uh, you're, you're responsible for an upcoming guest we have here in the next few weeks. It might be next week. It might not be yet. We're still determining. But you were college roommates with uh, comedian Anthony Jeselnik, correct? That's right. I mean, he's uh, one of my best friends in the world. We're actually roommates. We came out to L.A. together, too, right after college, and we we lived together there for a couple of years, too, while I was trying to do uh, the entertainment thing. So do you have do you have any uh, some dirt or anything we should kind of uh. surprise him with when he's on uh, in the next few weeks? I feel like good, all good, of it good, I have to tell story. you off of this podcast. <laughs> I, everything has to come off the podcast. I mean, there's not anything like PG-13 maybe we could get away with? Oh man, no! I mean, we went to Tulane. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say he absolutely crushed it. Whenever he uh, was it the, he was sheen on the roast, sheen roast yeah. and he, I think the one before that too is where he really made his uh, his national presence felt. But he's been a writer for Fallon for a while too, correct? Yeah, he he was with Fallon. I mean, I, I saw him when he was just starting out, of course, out out in L.A. But uh, now he's kind of on on his own. He's done the roast. Uh, he just shot a pilot too uh, for his Daily Show. But yeah. Uh, I mean, when when we went to Tulane, the drinking age had just changed from eighteen, but you can still go to bars. You can still go to bars when you're eighteen. So, I have plenty of stories. Yeah. Excellent. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get those. Well, well, we'll get him to tell a good Greg Rosenthal story. If you're not going to tell a good, a good go. Anthony Jeselnik <laughs> story, but uh, hey, enough. Greg, thanks a lot for joining us. You can uh, follow Greg at Greg Rosenthal on Twitter, or be sure to follow at NFL underscore ATL for all the latest uh, around the league updates. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks, guys. Hey, pal. See ya. Greg Rosenthal, everybody. Greg Rosenthal. That's fantastic. 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 Seriously, uh, look, Rich is the best. I, I mean, I've gotten to know him over the last, you know, doing this show. Yeah, I yeah. consider him a friend. Nobody says fantastic like Rich. We need to mash up him saying fantastic. I mean, I think that could be its own show. We could probably get a... I could do a, tw- I could do a half hour program of just Rich doing fantastic and laughing. Fantastic and you bet. You bet. Oh, you betcha. You bet. That's like James Brown. James Brown always says, indeed. Indeed, And Rich yes. says, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we want to thank, obviously, Rich for phoning in on his uh, on his busy cross-country right. trek doing this new show. It sounds pretty awesome. Um, we got to somehow try and weasel our way onto an episode. Oh, yeah. $100,000. Uh, yeah, I would take that. Sold in a oh. second. And uh, Greg Rosenthal, who joined us from league headquarters over in New York. Apparently he was outside on the patio, a little siren going off at some point. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, you never know what's going on in New York City, and hopefully he's staying cool. It was like 100 degrees at the Yankee game uh, the other day. Yeah, it's been it's been absolutely brutal. I saw some kid had a, a bag of ice on his head and was wearing a hat on top of it at the wow. game. They showed it on, uh, on the mothership the other day. But uh, next week's podcast, Rich is going to be back in the saddle. Uh, no more no more Brockman Law. We're on hiatus. No, we're, we're on hiatus. We're going back to the bullpen where we will play whatever we'll, games. Where we will probably never come out of again right. after after this. Back to the minors for Brockman and I. But we've got a great show for you next week. Uh, scheduled guests include the lovely Olivia Munn. Ooh, new who, show, The Newsroom. Who, which is opposite of Rich's show, The right. Great Escape. So we're asking, you know, TiVo, 
the it, newsroom. DVR the newsroom. If if you guys subscribe to HBO, watch The Great Escape live so you can pump up those ratings. Exactly, exactly. And then after Olivia Munn, we're gonna have um, Adam Carolla, the hilarious uh, friend podcast, of the podcast, extraordinaire. Adam Carolla hopefully is MCL or meniscus. Yeah, is fixed. I don't think we're going to try any kicking games of the sort or no. long snapping. No more uh, Adam Pole as we as we called it last yes. time. No more hashtag uh, Adam Pole. But he's uh, he's got a new book out. Uh, I believe it's called Not Taco Bell Material. Yep. So he's going to come in and talk about that. It's got some some really good reviews. I'm pretty sure it's on the New York bestseller list. Of course. And uh, we're hoping to get Anthony Jeselnik in, who we talked about briefly with uh, yep. our friend Greg Rosenthal, and may- maybe a player. Possibly a player. You never know who's going to come through the That's halls true. You here. really don't know who's going to pop up. Uh, network. Uh, who did we see? The, oh, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, yeah, uh, so great l- last week, uh, so we have a fire drill. Every once in a while, we have scheduled. Well, well, hold on. Before the fire drill happens, I'm sitting at my desk, and I get a, I get a phone call. But I don't get good reception there, so I don't pick up. And it's Brockman on, on the cell. I was right. doing something. That's true. Immediately after the phone call to my cell, it comes directly to my office line. Right. I pick up. Brockman goes... Christy Teigen's here. I go, what? He goes, get out here now. Come over to the come over. Yeah, to the, to that's the, the thing. Chrissy Teigen, who some of you may or may not know, is a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model engaged to the musician uh, and duets uh, star on the, the, hit, the NBC show, John Legend. So I had sent her a tweet a while back asking her next time she's in Los Angeles to come on the podcast. She wrote back to me for some reason Never been asked with a frown face at which Rich responded to both of us piggybacking on on my my move there that uh, consider it a formal invitation. Yes. So when me and a couple other of our NFL Network uh, uh, co-workers saw Chrissy Teigen in the hallway, they immediately turned to me and said, is she here for you? Because, you know, we don't usually have that the reason that a celebrity or most people are coming into NFL Network studios is for the podcast. Right. We're one of the main main shows that has celebrity-type guests right, we're on pretty it. Pretty much the only, pretty much the the only, only show. show. And you don't often see... I'm going to break this down for any of you guys who want to work at NFL Network and think they're just supermodels walking around. There are not. There are not. And so women. she kind of sticks out. Kind of sticks out. Those bright orange shoes. And so then we had a fire drill... And so she's on her phone while well, all of us well, are kind of doing the fire well, drill let's, thing. Let's set the stage because Brockman's over at the Puck, which is a, across the street from my right. office. It's our cafeteria here at NFL right. Network. And he's like, Law, you got to get over here. So I, I come over pretty much immediately. Yeah. <laughs> beckoned. And uh, we just we just uh, enjoy the view for about 10 seconds. It and was then- ridiculous. And everyone's kind of uh, – no one – I was one of the handful of people who, who, who recognized yeah. who she was, and uh, and so she was on the phone. But and then so we she's did just the... sitting on a bench right outside the doors to the main office, basically. Right. So there's there's right. you know there's six main doors that you can come into the building. Right. And she's on a bench, just sitting out there, you know, on a personal phone call, doing her thing. Right. So we go back inside. You know, I was like, I, I was going to introduce myself and just say, hey, you know, work with the podcast. We'd love to have you on. You know, you, you know we know you've been on DP show. Uh, we know you're a big sports fan. We'd, you know, we'd love to just talk sports with you and anything else that might come up. And so, uh, but she was on her phone. I didn't get a chance to do that. So when I went back inside, I, I popped her another tweet and said, um, trying to figure out what Chrissy Teigen's doing at NFL Network, but she won't get off the phone long enough so I can ask. And, of course, a few minutes later, she wrote back that she was here for a meeting and that uh, she was informed that uh, she was not uh, 
properly participating in the fire drill and that she could possibly get fined. So I told her just to charge the fine to Rich Eisen since he was not here that day. Yeah, so literally she's sitting outside and four, maybe 300 NFL employees start walking out during this fire drill and just the heads start turning because you're just seeing a supermodel sitting there just hanging out outside the office, texting. Just hanging out. Just, just sitting there. Just doing whatever. And uh, yeah, I think was, she was a little overwhelmed. It was it. it was pretty funny. But, uh, it, it was pretty funny. I just actually got a text from uh, from Greg Rosenthal uh, saying he, he's the godfather, that Anthony Jeselnik is the godfather of uh, of his daughter. And it was an irresponsible choice by him. So we'll, we'll have to bring that up with Jeselnik oh, wow. when he's on. Um, and then he asks about an infamous 2001 AFC Championship Steelers-Patriots game that nearly ended their friendship. So we'll have to ask uh, Anthony Jeselnik about that when Interesting. He's on. I'm <laughs> guessing, what, is, is Greg a Patriots fan? He must be. He said uh, he, he said he was at a Patriots game yeah, with Randy Moss. I, I think, well, when you, when you start working for the league, you're really just a fan of all 32, That's right? That's true. You just, right. you just root, for, uh, you root for a good season. But... Anyway, so that wraps up uh, that wraps up this week's edition of the Rich Eisen podcast. Uh, you can follow uh, Chris Brockman at Chris uh, underscore Brockman Chris on under, Twitter. Underscore Brockman on Twitter. He's and, uh, one away from a thousand. I'm one away from a thousand. So please push me over the edge. And uh, I also uh, write various musings on chrisbrockman.com. I got some movie reviews up, and I'm uh, currently working on a LeBron James article. Nice. Oh, nice. And you can uh, you can follow me at. Uh, Topher Law at T-O-P-H-E-R-L-A-W. I'm not going to give you grief. You know, Rich always gives you grief about having a strange yeah. Twitter handle. It, I don't mind it, actually. See, here's the thing. I don't want an underscore, which I respect that you have one. Uh, and Chris Thought Law has taken. The guy hasn't tweeted in five years. Exactly. About, to write, same a, thing about with, to write an open letter to same Twitter. Same thing with Chris. For the this. guy who has uh, Chris Brockman altogether. He, he's just squatting on it, so I had to go underscore. And if I was going to have a number in my, in my name, it would either be three or 56, because three was my football number in high school, and before that it was 56. So those are the two numbers I would want, and they're both taken. So I just went toe for law. Which you no know what? I'm not going to hate it. I, I like it. And be sure to follow uh, at the Eisen Podcast. We've been giving away some great prizes. That's true. I think we've given away about 10 things in the past month. Oh, just yeah. Got some, Absolutely. Uh, some, uh, did you send those out to the, the Brian Dawkins guy? Did I you, did. Did you give away the jersey? I did. It was, uh, it was actually very painful. Um, I... I got a picture of Brian Dawkins signing the jersey so the guy would know it was legitimate. Great. And then, uh, and then I wrote a note to the guy on the back of the sign thing saying, Excellent. Please take good care of it. If for any reason you no longer care to, <laughs> care to keep it, <laughs> ship it back to the NFL Network and it will find its way into my hands. If Tom Brady ever came in here and I got a Tom Brady jersey signed, you would have to pry that from my cold, dead hands. I don't think Rich knows how hard that was for me to do. It, uh, not that I care about jerseys or I want autographs hey, or anything you, like that. But props here for actually going through with it because oh, like man. that would have been tough for me. Uh, it's all in the name of uh, of the podcast. Hashtag Law Girl. The up. things we do for the podcast. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Rich will be back. It'll be a much better show. But uh, we hope you enjoyed Brockman and I uh, in our chatter. Thanks for listening. Stay listening. <laughs>